Good morning. I'm Aya Sevilla. I'm here to share about my encounter with the Holy Spirit. So about eight and a half years ago, uh, I became a stay-at-home mom and, you know, it really didn't sit well with me. I just became really depressed and very unhappy. And I even remember um, experiencing an all-time low when I couldn't find joy or meaning in anything, not even with my husband and two kids. And But nevertheless, I continued to seek God and I clung on to Him because I know He was my only hope. And then, um, but one day, um, this thought came in my head and I knew it was from God because I said, God, I know the answer to this problem, you know. I know the answer to all this meaninglessness and pain. I said, the answer is you. You know, and I told him, God, you're going to come and you're going to fix this. I'm going to wait. The answer is you. And back then, I, 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 did it. I think I didn't know God's promises. But now I know it, seems, it says in James 4 verse 8, it says, um, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Jeremiah 29, 13, it says, if you seek me, you will find me. If you seek me with all of your heart. So about a week after that, at a class here at New Life, um, the Holy Spirit came. I encountered the Spirit of the living God. I was reading this passage in the Bible on the parable of the pearl of great price. And the Holy Spirit from up here came inside of me. And at that moment, He told me that He loves me, that I am the pearl of great price. And that he gave everything up for me. He gave his life for me. And how did he do that? He died on the cross for me. You know, guys, I should have died because it's punishment for my sins. But I didn't. He went on the cross for me to die on the cross so that my sins may be forgiven. He died on that cross to take away my depression, hurt, and pain, past, present, and future. He went on that cross not only so I can have a life with Him now here on earth, He died so that one day when I die, I can live with Him forever. And so for the first time in my life, I knew that I knew that I knew that God loves me. It's not in my head anymore. It's here in my heart, in all of my being, that He loves me. And, and, and another thing is two thing, amazing things happened after that encounter. One. My depression was gone and the second one is the love of God started burning inside my heart and it's still here to this day it's been two and a half years and I really thank God so I'm really thankful I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit for who he is and what he has done I thank him for revealing the love of Father God in heaven for me by sending his one and only son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit because he came and fulfilled his promise that if you seek him you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit because after that encounter he continued to draw me closer and closer to him I began to spend more time with him I began to read and study my Bible and it's not out of obligation it's out of a hunger and desire to be with God the one who I love and it's out of a hunger and desire to be to be with him the one who loves me the most and I'm thankful to God for the power and the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my life my family life improved it's still improving though I'm still a work in progress so you know but for
fruit of the Holy Spirit gave me love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, you know, gentleness and self-control for my husband and kids. And I'm really very thankful. And so I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit because He has given me some gifts, you know, um, spiritual gifts as described in um, 2 Corinthians 14. It's um, spiritual gifts so I can serve you guys here at some capacity, whether it be small groups, meeting up with people, prayer ministries, gatherings. So I'm really thankful. And, and recently, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit because He has given me this new desire to share the love of the Father and the Gospel even outside the walls of new life. So, Holy Spirit, I love you and I thank you. And all this I share with you guys for the glory of God, for the glory of the name Jesus. Thank you. Hi, everybody. My name is William. Everyone say hi, William. It's good to be here. It's good to be anywhere. Any day above ground is a good day for me. You know, God's grace, His mercy, I've been a big recipient of that. Um, I was a drug addict for 25 years, from probably from the age of 13 to 38. And that was one continuous run. I used everything from A to Z, alcohol to Xanax, straight through. No stop, no vacation pay, no benefits, nothing. Just losses, losses, pain. I had, you know, the male version of PMS, pain, misery, and suffering. And I did, you know, I volunteered for that, you know. Um, like the first thing I wanted to say is I'm really thankful for New Life Fellowship, for this church. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful for his mercy that I didn't get what I deserved. Because uh, I saw a couple of men on the way here this morning that they were living the way I was. One guy was in Dunkin' Donuts totally wasted on a table another guy was sitting there talking to himself that should have been me it could have been me but by the grace of God I stand here before you I've been clean now for 19 years six months and nine days and the scripture that I wanted to look at was it's uh from the book of Joel, I will give to you, I will give back to you what the locusts have taken away. And the locusts took away a lot from my life. Um, I lost my first wife as full-blown AIDS right now. She's sitting there, her arm is all twisted up. And uh, my son, I thank God that I, I, he's forgiven me. I've taken him with me to buy drugs to different neighborhoods. And I thought I shouldn't be forgiven for things like that. But again, the grace of God. And not only that, he's 28 years old now. He tells me, Dad, you're my hero. My wife, my first wife who has, who has AIDS, I go there and help her as much as I can. She has a little daughter named Chloe. And last year, she thought I was Santa Claus. So um, God has just done tremendous things. And another thing that I that I want to share about. I used to be a thief, a liar, a conniver, a manipulator, uh, kind of, and a trickster, kind of like Jacob. And uh, I would be the guy who would steal your wallet and help you look for it, right? And I did that to my family. I did that, and now I have the, my mom, 
I used to be the black sheep, like I'm the white knight in shining armor now. When my family has, my family has problems, they turn to me, right? Now they're looking for answers from me. Actually, in the midst of that, I'm, a, I'm also a drug counselor at a drug treatment program and a Christian drug treatment program. I'm also, I'm a musician, right? And for many years, even though I thought I was Mick Jagger, right? Uh, I, I played in Washington Square Park just to get enough money for heroin. And, and I would run down to the Lower East Side, buy dope, keep do that day in and day out. And uh, one of the songs most requested was called Sympathy for the Devil. And I would do that song proudly. And people would pour vodka down my throat and give me joints and give me money. And now God has turned me into a leader of worship. I used to lead at this church for like seven years at the program where I work at. I'm teaching the young men how to, you know, how to do worship. And, you know, here's the last piece I wanted to share. You know, oh, yeah, the scripture that goes from that is uh, I will take away your heart of stone and replace it with the heart of flesh. Now I love people. One of the things I love at this church, even little children, they say, Mr. William. And I get hugs. And before, like, if you hugged me, it was like hugging a porcupine. You were going to get hurt because I was hurt. I wore a black leather jacket. I thought I was a tough guy, and I wasn't. I was just very hurt and wounded. And the last piece I wanted to talk about was, I love Pastor Pete's books on emotional health. I love, you know, loving union with Jesus, yes. But there was parts of the book that I didn't like, the ones that had to do with marriage. I would say, why does he gotta write about this marriage business? Because I was married, but I acted like a single man. I actually lived in the man cave for two years. And this last year I read his latest book, on emotionally healthy leader and it finally got to me this is not right this is not what God wants I moved from the man cave back into the master bedroom and I'm working on my marriage now and really I know why I avoided it is hard work and not only that it forces me to face all of my own inner stuff my relationship towards my mom, my relationship towards women, uh, what I was tr trained to believe about women. And now to treat my wife as a godly person is like, is really beyond my wildest dreams. And again, it's hard work. And uh, the scripture that goes with that is all of your life, William, it's for Peter, but I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to personalize it. You did as you wanted to. You walked around and dressed the way you wanted to, but someone will lead you and, go, and gird you, I believe it says, and take you where you don't want to go. And that's the journey that God has me on now. Uh, so if anyone's sitting there and you're a challenging marriage or you have addiction in your family, I'm here to tell you that I, I used to be a dope fiend, but now I'm a hope fiend. And... Christ in me, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Amen. Hello, my New Life family. My name is Jesse. Hi. You gotta say hi to William. You gotta say hi to me. Hi. 
You know, I just want to share with you, if I would, how special that song, How Great Is Our God, is to me and my family. You see, How Great Is Our God, those lyrics were the words that we sang on the way home from the hospital after we found out that at 10 weeks, my baby's heartbeat had stopped in my womb. And though our hearts were shattered, broken into unrecognizable pieces, by God's grace, we dug up the strength in the car on the road home to say, God, you are good. God, you are faithful. God, you are a promise keeper. You are good in spite of this situation. And I'm happy to say that three years later, it was the same song driving down that same road that we sang with my miracle baby in the back seat. Saying how great, how great, how great is our God. God is faithful. He's so faithful. And I didn't know it at the time. See, I thought this was just the beginning of my journey to motherhood, my, my, my life as a mother. But God was doing so much more. At that time, he birthed in me a ministry to help women overcome fibroids and fertility all around the world. But the path there was a hard one. It can be summarized as 14 years battling fibroids, 10 years battling the shame of infertility, 10 surgeries, hard, open surgeries, 100 plus days combined in the hospital, five IVF cycles, one heart-wrenching miscarriage. And then at 21 weeks, my baby was now fighting for her life in my womb. She was fighting the fibroids that had returned. And their doctor said, maybe you might want to consider terminating your pregnancy. This pregnancy that took us 10 years to achieve. Can you imagine? But even though my heart stopped on the operating table, God is good. Because my baby was born at two and a half pounds, 14 inches on September 8th, 2011. Because our God is good and he is faithful. God had more in store than I could even conceive. You know how God takes your test and he turns it into a testimony? Well, see, I thought my testimony was just for me and those in my community. But then Essence Magazine decided, decided, decided excuse me, that they wanted to publish a profile of my story and and it went viral. Last Mother's Day went viral quickly as soon as it hit their Facebook pages. And women all over the world were just an outpour said, thank you for sharing your story. Your story is giving me hope. They had been suffering in silence because nobody was talking about fibroids and infertility. Their hearts had grown sick from hope deferred. Have you ever had a heart that was sick because of hopelessness? sick because of hopelessness it was then that I realized the real battle was not fibroids and infertility see the real battle 
was, was I going to trust God, his goodness, his wisdom, his power in the process? And all of this, you know, when my story went viral, it said to me, oh my God, this is much bigger than you. And it gave birth to my other baby, my book, Hope Beyond Fibroids, Stories of Miracle Babies and the Journey to Motherhood. I said, wow, if my one story could impact so many, what about if we created this, this book of testimonies where people would be empowered by not just my story, but the story of 14 other mothers and a father who from their stories talked about what they fought to overcome to live their dream of parenthood. So today I say to you, it can feel impossible when you're struggling and you're, the pain has been so hard that it blinds you. Have you ever been blinded by pain? And your hope, your hope has been singed to ashes. <laughs> you feel like it's not even there. But God can make beauty out of ashes. <laughs> oh God, he can make beauty out of ashes. You see, the road to my Nia was the very process that God used to deliver my Ephesians 3.20 blessing. You know, that thing that is above, beyond all we could ask, think, or imagine. <laughs> So my baby was my amazing baby, Nia. And then he gave me the book. And then he gave me a, a purpose as a, as a woman's health speaker and, and a fibroids and fertility coach. And also a prayer ministry to support women to help them overcome fibroids and infertility. So I stand before you to say, God can be trusted. You can trust in his goodness, his wisdom, and his power. His ways are not your ways. Oh, no, oh, no. But his purpose will prevail in your life. And I want to take a moment and just say thank you to the women's ministry here at New Life. Because one of the first events I attended about five years ago was a woman's Bible study. And I was five months pregnant, and we were faced with challenges, and they prayed for me that day. They didn't see me again for a long time because after that time I was hospitalized with my pregnancy but I'm here today because of the prayers of the righteous. So I thank you. Praise God. So I will be signing copies of the book at the bookstore afterwards. I hope that you will allow this story to um, bring life and health and hope to you, your loved ones, and that you allow yourself to be over, to overcome by the word of our testimonies. Thank you. Amen. Let's put our hands together for Aya, for William, for Jesse here. Just amen. Today we've heard some amazing stories of the grace of God that could only lead us to say one thing uh, to God, and that is just, just thank you. Thank you to God. The response to God's grace is... Uh, very simple. It's, it's gratitude. Uh, Karl Barth, the great theologian, said that grace and gratitude go together like heaven and earth. And so today, as we close our time together, I, I want to offer just a short reflection on gratitude as we um, near Thanksgiving, that when you are around the tables with your family and your friends and your frenemies uh, on Thanksgiving, 
that this passage here would fill our hearts um, as we contemplate the goodness of God. In Psalm 107, this is the word of God. This is what it says to us. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. That's what we've been doing today. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Let me ask you a question. Does gratitude, does that word significantly describe your life? Does gratitude describe your life? This past week, I participated in one of those Facebook survey things that showed what my most used words on Facebook have been up to this point. And this is, this is my, uh, my, my breakdown here. I was pretty proud that the word Mets didn't come up in the center. I thought it was going to come up in the center. But I felt extra holy this week when spirit was in the center. I said, that's right. I feel a little extra holy today. Uh, but these are, according to Facebook, my most used words that I give on my status updates and everything. I've seen some of yours and all that. And as I saw this the couple, last couple of days, I, I began to wonder. I started asking a question. And the question that I started asking was, I wonder if God were to run a report on the words that I speak to God, or the words that I say every day, how central, how big would the word thanks be on my report? How central would gratitude be on this screen here? Because one of the ways to assess our level of spirituality, our de the depth of our spirituality, is to assess the level of our gratitude. And I have a really simple test to, uh, to get us a point to recognize how grateful we are. I call it the thankful test. And the thankful test is based on three very simple questions. The first question of this thankful test is this. How much time do you give to comparing? Comparing your life with other people. Your life with other people's kids, your kids with other people's kids, your job with other people's job, your spouse with other people's spouse, your home with other people's home, your, your salary with other people's salary. How much time do you give to comparing? The second question is, how much time do you give to complaining? How much time do you give to complaining? That many times the level of our complaining really is an indication of our lack of gratitude. And there's some good complaining, and then there's that decentering bad complaining as well. The third question is, how much time do you give coveting? That is, wanting what other people have. How much time do you give to coveting? The reality of our world is, our world has a very hard time with gratitude. And I'm not talking about the kind of gratitude that someone offers when someone holds the door and someone says thank you. I'm not talking about the kind of gratitude that when someone does you a favor and you look at them in the eye and you say, hey, thank you for doing that. I'm talking about a life that is shaped by gratitude and thanksgiving. Our world really knows very little about this. And I know that because our world has this 48-hour cultural bipolar experience every time during this year. On Thursday, we're going to gather around our tables. We're going to thank God for everything we have. We're going to look at each other and say, I thank God for you. I thank God for this home. I thank God for my health. I thank God for this. I thank God for that. We're just going to go around the table. We're going to talk to each other. We're going to thank God for the food. We're going to thank God for everything. And less than 24 hours after we've thanked God for everything that we have, we are going to talk to each other about everything we don't have. 
and we're going to run to the store. And some of you say, well, Rich, I don't do Black Friday, but do you do Cyber Monday, right? We do Cyber Monday. <laughs> On Thursday, we're just thanking God for everything that we have. On Friday, we're saying, you know, I could use that. I could use that. Our world knows very little about gratitude. But as followers of Jesus, we are called to a life of thanksgiving. We are called to have our lives shaped and permeated by gratitude. And research has shown that grateful people experience higher levels of joy, higher levels of enthusiasm, higher levels of love. And the contrary is, is, is true as well, that those that are ungrateful experience higher levels of depression and all of that. And so in short, gratitude, this is what gratitude is. Gratitude is a knowing awareness that we are the recipients of goodness. A knowing awareness that we are the recipients of goodness. And the psalmist in Psalm 107 commands us to be thankful because of one thing, because God's love endures forever. He says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Now, when the psalmist writes that word love, he's not talking about the kind of fuzzy love or whatever we're thinking, but there's a very specific Hebrew word that comes to mind. And that Hebrew word where he says his love endures forever is the Hebrew, one of my favorite words called chesed. And it only works when you spit when you say it, okay? And so let's try it together, just chesed. Don't look to your neighbor and do that. That'll be really just, just nasty in here. But, just, but, it's, but give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His chesed endures forever. One translation is it's his loving kindness. One of the most oft used words in the Old Testament. His loving kindness endures forever. And what the psalmist is recognizing is he's thanking God because, because God has been his, his, his loyalty to us. That word chesed means God's covenant loyalty to us. That when I have not responded to God, God has been faithful to me. That when I have slipped up from time to time, God remains faithful. And the psalmist recognized that all there are moments that I am not reciprocating to God, I'm not searching after God, God remains the one who is loyal to his covenant. His love endures forever. Uh, Brendan Manning, one great uh, author, said that that word chesed is that the range of meaning looks something like this. He said that love means it is the consistent, ever faithful, relentless, constantly pursuing, lavish, extravagant, unrestrained, furious love of God. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His consistent love, his ever faithful love, his relentless love, his constantly pursuing love, his lavish love, his extravagant love, his unrestrained, furious love of God endures forever. And that's the kind of love that God has over you today. And so this is the reason why we are to be grateful. And so how do we, how do we on this Thanksgiving week practice this gratitude? And I would say there's just one word really. That before gratitude, there, there is a prerequisite to gratitude. There's something that comes before our lives can be grateful. And, and it really is this word to recognize. To recognize that every one of us in this room, you have been a recipient of goodness. That God's goodness has been so abundant in your life. That do, does that mean you don't have challenges? No, not, absolutely not. Does that mean you don't have tests? Absolutely not. But when you take the time to actually sit down and begin to count how all the ways that God has been good to us, we can be there for a very long time. And so we are called to recognize God's goodness over us. And this gratitude is to reorient our lives. 
That when you consistently look to the source of our goodness, which is God, there is a reorientation in our lives, so much so that our complaining turns into contentment. Our complaining turns into praise. Our coveting turns into gratitude. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. There's this quote that I'll leave you with. It's from Henry Nouwen, one of my favorite authors. And this is what he says about gratitude. He says, gratitude as a discipline involves a conscious choice. We choose to be grateful. I can choose to be grateful even when my emotions and feelings are still steeped in hurt and resentment. It is amazing how many occasions present themselves in which I can choose gratitude instead of a complaint. The choice for gratitude rarely comes without some real effort, but each time I make it, the next choice is a little easier, a little freer, a little less self-conscious. As you sit with friends and family this week for a meal, and as the food is spread on the table, take a moment to recognize that God has been good, that you have been the recipient of goodness, that in in the face of ups and downs, God remains the ever-faithful one loyal to his covenant. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand together. As we close our service here, I want to invite the prayer team to come to my left. And we have the Lord's table at my right. When we come to the Lord's table, we come in a spirit of gratitude, being reminded that that God came to us in the person of Jesus, broken and bruised on the cross, and said, as you take bread and dip it in the cup, you are reminded of my goodness towards you, that I've forgiven you, that I've offered you new life. And so if you'd like to receive the bread and the cup at the end of our service, you can come up the center aisle and, uh, and receive the body and blood of Jesus. And to my left, we have our prayer team here. Maybe some of you, you're, 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 you're in a low point in life right now, and it's really hard to be grateful. You need the power of the Holy Spirit, as we've been talking about for weeks now, to fill you with gratitude. And maybe you need someone just to pray with you and pray for you. You can feel free to come up and receive prayer. And I trust that you will meet God in a significant way before you leave here. But as we close here, I want to invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. May we recognize that we have all been the recipients of God's goodness. And may our lives overflow this week with gratitude and thanksgiving. And so with your hands in your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May he shine his face upon you. May he fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit with gratitude overflowing in your life. And may your thanksgiving and gratitude be a witness to the provision and goodness of God. That when people see you, they see something of God in you. And so I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, in the good name of Jesus. And the people of God said, amen. Grace and peace, everybody.